This is the Podcast Inc. production. Booyah! This is the moment podcasting fans listening around the world have been waiting for. Coming to you not so live from a listening device of your choice. It's time! Podcasting out of this corner, a mixed martial talker, holding no professional record. He stands at six feet one and one half inches tall, weighing in at whatever he feels like, hailing out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada, presenting the sometimes angry, always funny, Self-proclaimed podcasting champion of the world, Steve Fingerstyles! So, welcome to another rendition of the podcast. I am here once again, always again, and brought to you by First Row Collectibles, if you're into nerd culture, if you're into sports memorabilia, if you're into wrestling memorabilia, please visit firstrow.ca. Use promo code THEPODCAST20 to receive 20% off. They got a ton of stuff from all the major sporting leagues, old comic books, new comic books, signed wrestling memorabilia, anything you want, they got it. Best thing is they ship worldwide. Even better, they update daily. So please visit them at firstrow.ca. And if you're into video games and books, please visit bossfightbooks.com for great books on classic video games. You'll find titles like Postal, Resident Evil, and Mega Man 3, and so many others. Everything you see on their website is available in paperback and ebook format. So please check them out at bossfightbooks.com. And if you want to support me directly, you can visit my merchandise store, itpublic.com, or scroll down on today's device you're listening to on it's embedded right there in the description click on that link takes you right to the merchandise store i got everything from hoodies to t-shirts travel mugs baby onesies anything you need or want it is there but the easiest thing the best thing to do to support the show each and every week plus it's free is rate subscribe review on all major platforms most specifically apple Podcasts, tune in soundcloud spotify and iHeartRadio. so this week i'm joined by a returning guest whom is the author of two critically acclaimed novels, a bunch of short stories, and boss fight books, Mega Man 3. He has also written for a ton of video games, which includes the story mode for Retromania Wrestling. Author, writer, Sal Payne. I'm so thrilled to be back. Thank you for having me. I'm just really excited to chat with you and uh, get back in touch. Yeah, just catch up. I know, this is your third time coming on the show, my friend. Thank you very much. And obviously... And, but like so many things we have in common wrestling video games yeah. books so obviously the first time we talked about Mega Man 3 which oddly enough I just played maybe two months ago and again oh, wow. still good still holds up like all those classic Mega Mans from like one to about four or five untouchable like you know what I mean good stuff and then you came back when I had Retromania CEO creator who I, whatever his label is nowadays who knows who's probably ripping his hair out <laughs> but <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, Retro Mania Wrestling, fantastic game. Still waiting for more DLC to come out. I know you have nothing to do with that. I know you probably can't say anything about that. But it still holds up. Again, these classic type 16, 8-bit games, man. I don't know about you, but I'm so into them. And I even, I'm playing now Final Fantasy VI. So I'm doing the, the, the Pixel oh. remasters. So it's like, oh, all this nostalgia, all this goodness that just holds the test of time. Are you one of those guys that loves, like, the Pixel form of video games? Oh, 100%. I also have the Pixel versions of the Final Fantasy games, the Pixel Perfect ones. I just played through four. Okay. So six is probably next. I'm playing through Baldur's Gate 3 now, which is oh. modern. But still, like, basically a retro game, you know? It's, like, sure. top-down, even though it's 3D. But, and, you know, Retromania, I can give you a, a brief update oh, if you want. Sure. Uh, Please. So, yeah, I am in uh, uh, conversation with Mike Herman. So we do yeah. talk quite a bit. 
you know, so I know that they're close. <laughs> so I know they've okay. I know they've been close for a while, but yeah, the story mode is, is completed <laughs> and some other interesting things are definitely in the pipeline. So I don't know when it's coming out, but I know that okay. he's still working, you know, tirelessly on this project. Oh and yeah, again, that game is fantastic. It's just again the same I'm sure you've heard it millions of times. It's too short and we want yeah. more, right? And if that's the only knock on it, then I think you there's that's a fantastic product, no? <laughs> Yeah, and I, I can't wait for to get out there because, to be honest, you know, I and Mike has told this before, but I, I finished the story mode maybe four years ago, so it's, it'll be exciting for <laughs> the conclusion to arrive. You know, so that'll be fun. Oh my god! Well, and speaking of stories, obviously, the main reason why you're on today is because of the new realist in winter. Fantastic! A bunch of short stories all together. Not, I, I, okay, I loved it twofold because every story was interesting and different. So it's, it's obviously an anthology. Nothing continues. It's no, there's no bridges between any story. So I love that sort of type of thing right off the bat. And when I'm reading like a novel or a book, again, I hate to say it. I'm one of those people now, short, like attention span. So these short stories are perfect because even if I don't go back and read it, say two weeks from now, I'm not lost and I have to go back a chapter just to be like, oh, what the fuck happened here again? Like, you know what I mean? So that's why I love short stories to be honest. So maybe you already had a few steps ahead, but again, fantastic, my friend. All those stories are great. Everything is fantastic. Thank you. So when did you get the idea of creating this and did you ever because uh, i know you had some of these short stories elsewhere published but when did you want to put them all together and include some more to form this uh, 150 plus page uh, short story book yeah thank you and thank you so much for the positive words it really means a lot and I, I just really appreciate it you know so yeah this book it's it's eight years in the making so the Shit. earliest story is from 2015 you know mm-hmm. so uh, which feels like a different reality ago. It feels like I was a different human being. You know, the world was a different place, you know? It's so true. Um, yeah, and the most recent story is just from probably, yeah, earlier this year. So, okay. you know, so it's a long time, you know. So for me, you know, I'm always, you know, I'm often working on a long book in the, in the background, so either a novel or like Mega Man 3 or something like that. Right, right. But I always try and squeeze in like a short story or two every year. And maybe about 10 years ago, I had enough for a book, but I felt like, I don't like, and this maybe is just me, I don't like when short story collections come out and the stories are all over the place and it doesn't feel like they're very cohesive and they're not really thematically linked. So I always wanted to wait until I had enough that felt like, okay, these are speaking together, they're in conversation. And I felt like this was the year where I finally like, okay, I think I'm about there. You know, I think I I I finally have the stories that are a book and not just here's a, a compilation album of Salpane stories. You know what I mean? Right. No, it makes sense because there is obviously a running theme and it being the new realist and being a realist and all that stuff and like the darker side of some stuff and like just like, again, be like negative people say it's being a realist. Positive people say it's being negative. Like, you know what I mean? Yes. And yes. I'm more of a realist myself. So that's another check mark off. So that's why I loved all these stories. And it was because I was thinking, I'm like, how are you going to break down this book and talk about it? Because it, it's so long. There's so many parts to it that we won't fill an hour like we'll just keep going on and on so what i want to do is i'm going to tell you my top five we'll run it down from my five to the number one story i loved the best because even from five to eleven or sorry six to eleven i couldn't like they're all like good like you know what i mean so it's, it was so hard to rank them from there but i think five to one i was able to do it so let's talk about that then and l- let's see your thoughts and see what you would have thought would be probably the favorites that people would pick out. So let's go here. My number five is the complete oral history of Monkey High School. Loved this. Again, this is such a throwback. Like, you know what I mean? To those like, what if, not what if, like, where are they now stories? And then you go back and it's seeing how the perspective from when it actually happened to why it happened. Because there's so many shows that it's true, like, they just go off the rails and no one knows why until it's told afterwards. And everyone's like, oh, okay, makes sense. So I, again, this is so cool of an idea. I don't know if you have any inspiration behind it or not. Yeah, so it's it's funny. So this is one of the earlier ones, you know. And okay. I, I basically what happened was I uh, had a long commute and I was listening to a lot of audiobooks. And one of the audiobooks I listened to was uh, The Oral History of Saturday Night Live. Uh. And I just remember thinking, like, this is a great book. The voices come alive on the page because of the oral history format. I love that idea of just ping-ponging back and forth between voices. You're just having descriptions of, like, what happened in the, in the background of the series. And then I started thinking, like, what, what if you – could you do it in fiction? What would it look like in fiction? 
it's like, okay, well, it's a book, so you'd have to just do one chapter, right? And kind of make it like a meta thing of like, we're just seeing one chapter from the book. You'd have to do a fictional show. Uh, so that's how I came up with Monkey High School, which would be like, you know, kind of like Alf is what I was thinking. Okay. Like a, the 80s sure. show where uh, the animal shows up, you know, he escapes from Area 51 yeah, yeah. and then he gets into hijinks. But then I really wanted to do like, okay, what if, you know, the show's about to be canceled and we get into some really dark material as the writers try and slip it past in exactly. to the censors. And then I really want to think about like, okay, you know, could we, could we squeeze in Reddit? Could we squeeze in the way <laughs> professors and their long-winded talk, you know, this is ironic coming from me as a professor, but the right. long-winded way that they can talk about media. I want to get all that stuff in there. So it's like a blender kind of story. Yeah, and then even the whole part of like being in part of cons and stuff, and then there was a split between the, the viewers and the fans and all, like fantastic. And again, it goes to show that no matter what you think you're going to write, even in your head, if you think it's the greatest thing since life's bread, there's always going to be a critic. Like, you know what I mean? So there is no such thing as the perfect writing or the perfect series, I guess, right? Yeah, I mean, everything has its criticism, you know, and then that's that's totally fine, you know. And even this story, I was really worried. I don't know if you've seen the movie Nope, but in no, that no. movie... Okay, it's a, it's a really good movie, you know, and but in the movie there is a, like, 1990s teen, like, kind of like, it's Nickelodeon, and it's a show about a monkey, and the monkey ravages the family. This is in the first scene of the movie, so yeah, I'm not okay. really spoiling it. Yeah, no, go for it. But I, I was really worried. I'm like, oh, no, nope, got to the monkey, the Nickelodeon show before I did, you know, but even though <laughs> I wrote it years ago, but, you know, what are you going to do, you know, so if people want to say I ripped off Nope, you know, I... What can I do? Ah, exactly. Again, <laughs> critics will be critics. That's their name, yeah. critic, right? So what yeah. can you do? You just move on. All right, moving on to my number four would be The Neorealist in Winter. The first story right off the bat, this was got me right into everything. It was like, oh, this is so nice. And again, the way you wrote everything, uh, obviously, so so many, like all your stories, you have a little bit of you in it from Scranton to wrestling to video games to uh, being Italian. Like, you know what I mean? So you saw a lot of it throughout your story. So that was, I guess, another theme throughout the book, too, which, again, fantastic to me because me being Portuguese and European, I could sort of relate to some stuff. So painting the picture of being back in Italy after the war and all that. Again, so smart and adding a touch of like, again, movies and Hollywood. Yeah, I really wanted to combine those things. So there's a couple things I was really thinking about where, you know, I, I went to Italy for a couple months with students, you know, and maybe one of the other stories kind of gestures Jesus. towards that, you know. So I was thinking about that a lot, of that process right. of like, um, you know, I'm Italian-American and a lot of Italian-Americans romanticize Italy, you know, and then they go over there and they're expecting – they're expecting Godfather. They're expecting to just be in the fields sure. like Michael Corleone. Like I've been struck by the thunderbolts, you know, I don't want to fall in love with the, with the farmer's daughter, but it's like, you know, it's like Italy, like anywhere else has moved on. You know, you go there, it's like, it's like any other city. Right. And it's like, yeah. I love Italy, but it's, it's modern. It's very, very, very modern. Sure. You know? So I really wanted to get at that idea of just like, okay, you think you're going to the homeland, but when you get there, no one really cares that, that you're there, right? And right. the other thing I wanted to think about was Martin Scorsese, you know, who is an idol of mine. He's the name sure. of my cat. My cat is called Martin Scorsese. <laughs> That's awesome. So I love Scorsese, so I right. really was trying to think about, you know, him and kind of working through some ideas about, you know, like in Italy, the, the, the film system, I uh, was instituted basically by Mussolini, you know, so right. Chinachita is his propaganda machine and that's where their movies are still filmed and their TV shows are still filmed. Exactly. And I just find that fascinating, you know, like right. it's just so interesting to me. Yeah. And then even the whole aspect, you throw in the whole family aspect where and like, I, I, I could relate to this supporting family members and then they're like pure bumbling idiots and fuck offs where you have the choice. It's like. Do I move on with my career and cut them off or do I stay and be a family person? Like, you know, that whole dilemma is fantastic. Now, I'm going to pose a question on you, my friend. If someone like Martin Scorsese gave you that option and said you can never talk to one of your siblings or parents, but be my right hand man, what would you do? I, I mean, I, I probably would, would still have to see my parents. Okay. <laughs> They're probably listening. So it's like, uh, yeah, I've got to, I've got to see my parents, you know? So I, I, yeah. But I mean, that's the thing. It's like, it's such a, the choice in the story is so not a real choice, you know, obviously, you know, like obviously no one's going to actually make that choice. Of course. But I, what I wanted to think about was too, like, I do think when people move away from their families or if people like, especially if you leave different classes, you know, like my parents, my family's very working class, you know, now I'm a professor, you know, so I think yeah. about that a lot. Like, wow, that's, you know, 
a big jump, you know, and like you gain something, but you lose something, you sure. know, and I'm, I'm always thinking about that, you know, so in, in some ways it's like, I don't feel quite at home with other professors, you know, or other people who kind of grew up in this world, you know, because when they'll talk about touchstones of their life from childhood, it's always foreign to me. Mm-hmm. When I go back home, I don't really feel like I totally fit in there either. You know, I feel like I'm putting on a mask or something or just oh, like, I'm, you know, like I, I don't want to like, I don't know. It's hard to explain, you know, so I'm always trying to wrestle with that. No, it's so true. And I've had so many guests, even in the comedy world, where they come from a foreign country mm-hmm. when they're like in their teen years. So you still have that sort of accent, but you speak perfect English, but you have an accent here. But then because you've been so far gone from home for so many years, you start gaining an American accent. And then when you go back home, you don't you don't fit there. And like I, I even have a cousin like that who moved to Portugal when she was older, and she says she doesn't fit anywhere. Like here, she doesn't feel like home because it's been thirty years there. She doesn't feel like home because everyone says she can't speak proper Portuguese. And it's like fuck that. That must be like so oh, horrific to be caught in that middle. Yeah, I mean that sounds really really difficult, you know. And I have it in a really like much reduced way, you know, because I'm sure. you know American and it's born. Yeah, yeah. But but it's like yeah I do relate to that I'm just like yeah I don't really feel at home anywhere I always feel kind of transient you know still my good okay now I gotta know what's your top Scorsese film then oh well I mean it's tough but <laughs> I know because there's so many I love you know there's someone like and, and I like some sleeper ones like nobody goes I feel like enough people don't give enough love for Age of Innocence which I think is fantastic okay and I think it shows he can do all this other stuff where it's not it's not just gangland violence. But it's Goodfellas. I mean, for me, it's, it's got to be Goodfellas. I mean, after having said that, it's like I, I love Goodfellas. I've seen a hundred times. I, I could watch it endlessly. I mean, I love Raging Bull, but like Raging Bull's like, I can't watch that all the time. You know, like Goodfellas is the perfect 90 minutes where I just watch all the good stuff. And then once once things start to break bad, I'm like, okay, I'll just I'll peace out. And I, I know what happens and I know that it doesn't break <laughs> Oh my God. You know what? Everyone's going to crucify me. And I think it was because I watched Goodfellas when I was such at a young age. I honestly think Casino is a better movie. Wow, that is that is a dark horse take. Now I love I Casino. Casino is a big pleasure of mine too. But yeah, it's interesting. So it's just uh, like my my always thing is like I love Karen, and I feel like Karen gets a lot to do in Goodfellas, and Sharon Stone gets a lot. She's in it a lot, but I feel like she gets less. To, I like I wish Sharon Stone was a more complicated character in, in Casino. But I love yeah. Pesci, and you know. obviously well of course those classic right who who can argue that all right so we're up to my number three and i will go with her final thoughts oh okay awesome because obviously well again first off it's in fort mcmurray canada i'm a canadian so another check there and again it's one of these end of the world scenario type things and i could so see this being like a black mirror type of episode well, I'm really glad, yeah, you're covering a real range of, of time periods, too, for me, because, you know, the, the oral history story, that was one of the first ones, and then Neo Reels was one of the very, very last ones. That was probably one of the last ones wow. that went in the book when I started to figure out what I think it was. This is in the middle, so this came from, I was reading a story about Fort McMurray, just a, oh, just a okay. nonfiction story about the tar fields and all this stuff, and I just right. got really interested and just like, wow, the, the people who go there, you know, just work there, there seems to be like two groups it's like people who are you know doing the more dangerous jobs you know they're just going to do it briefly and then the more like white collar jobs that are like horrible for for the planet you know obviously right so i I really (laughs) wanted to put those two characters like that together you know and then i i was interested in like what if we jump forward you know 30 40 years in the future Mm -hmm. but don't tell the reader you know don't tell the reader but leave some clues along the way exactly future and, and that's what I love, like where it's almost, it's not like you're making your own story, but you're being handheld through it where it's like you're not given everything. So when something does happen, it's meaningful and it's like, oh, so everything else before and now everything makes sense. And then like, you know, what I mean? then you go down that rabbit hole of being like, oh, this is fantastic. Well, thank you. Yeah. And I, I hope, I hope that works because I always like that too. Like I think in a short story, I was just telling my students this because I, I teach creative writing and I'm like, in a short story, you know, you want that intro tension, you know, so she's on a first date, you know, and like that's yeah. tension, right? It's like first date tension. Of course. But then I always like the idea of like, okay, a second tension is just careening towards us that we don't see that comes at like the midway point of the fiction and then it kind of, you know, just arcs the tension in a different way. No, and again, you did your research. I love, again, being proud Canadian, pizza, pizza tasting like cardboard. Thank you. 
I popped out loud. I couldn't stop. I was like, oh my God, this is the best line in the book, only because I'm Canadian, obviously. <laughs> well, I've had pizza pizza, so... I, oh, okay. Yeah, so this is a real-life research. Okay, so, you perfect. Know, I, I, I grew up in the East Coast. We're all pizza snobs. You know, we're pizza sure. snobs. We have very particular opinions. I like lots of different types of pizza. You know, I love Chicago pizza, and, and just Sicilian pizza is great. Right. But uh, my wife and I, we honeymooned in Toronto. So oh. I, you know, I love Canada. And Toronto's amazing, you know. We drove back front to Minnesota through Canada. So just, oh, beautiful. Just incredible. But we ate pizza pizza, and I'm like, wow, this is Garbage. pretty rough. It is. It, but you know what? They mask it because they have a killer friggin' garlic dipping sauce, which is the best. And when you dip it in there, you don't even taste the cardboard anymore. But, again, you're not really eating pizza. It's like you're eating garlic bread. Like, you know what I mean? So what's the point? But I wish I tried the, the dipping sauce, but... Yeah, no, I, stay I, away I, from I, that. If you do ever come back up here and you want Canadian pizza, go with Pizza Nova. Pizza Nova, okay, for sure. Because they tout it as Italian, and supposedly they import Italian goods to make their pizza. Again, I'm putting up quotations, who knows nowadays. But they say they import the ingredients, and it's pure Italian. The original people were in Italian. Now it's a pure chain, obviously. But when they first started, it was like one of those mom and pops, right? So it is good. It is good. I, I would say it's top three for me w- within Toronto, for sure. Well, it, it's crazy the lengths people go to a pizza because in the story there's a detail about this one woman. Her yes. job is she has to keep a fire going just twenty four seven. That's a real. Th- so I was reading about this. This is like I get a lot of just inspiration and ideas just from reading nonfiction. And I was reading right. about a person who that was their actual job. They just had to keep a fire going in a restaurant so it was hot enough oh for the God. pizza chef. And I'm like, that's. Can you imagine like that being your job? You know, or eight hours a day, I'm just watching the fire. Like that's. <sighs> How do you stay awake? Like, I'd bring my Switch. I'd bring, like, every... Like, like, what are you doing? Like, watching TV, I guess? Like, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, this... Yeah, I guess you just zone out after a while, you know? No, that job is not for me, for sure. I I would not be able to do that. Oh, my God. But, yeah, again, this story... Again, fantastic. Taking place in the future. And then another tidbit, obviously, finding a VHS in the wild. Like, everyone could relate to that even now. Like, you, you know what I mean? So to find it and to actually pop it in and have something work. And again, you, you know, again, this is going back to when we were younger, before internet and before everything. When you would find a VHS tape, it was about 80% of the time it would be porn. So I was thinking, I was like, oh, I know this is sort of PG type of book, but I don't know if he's going to go down that route. And I'm like, please let it be porn. Please let it be porn. And no, it wasn't porn, but... Oh well, what, can what you if do? it was? <laughs> you know, it's you know. I'm going to tell you in my mind now, moving forward, it was porn. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic! Oh my god, I'll, we'll go with that. <laughs> so the oh. canon is it was porn. I'm going to take. Oh my god, beautiful, beautiful. All right, so we're narrowing it down here. My number two is take it out of me. Another type of futuristic. You don't know what's going on. Again, I could see this as a Black Mirror type of episode. Yeah, and I really like that stuff. I really like taking just a few little elements of sci-fi or something like that. Sure. Just taking it really, really seriously, you know? Because, I, you know, I grew up reading all this stuff. You know, I don't, you, I don't know if you see behind me, but it's just like, well, one, I mean, there's all my Hasbro WWF figures, but then it's above, that's the Ewoks. You know? <laughs> <laughs> just all my, all my Star Wars guys. So I always like, of like, okay, is there some way that I can borrow some of this stuff, you know? So sure. it, this story is kind of similar to what we were talking about mm-hmm. earlier, where it's like when you're caught between these two worlds... You know, I think one decision that people make, and it's, I think a bad decision, you know, which, which the character does in stories, like, I'm going to completely kill that side of myself from That's before crazy. and just pretend it's got caught, you know, and just I'm going to live this new identity. But you have to make peace with who you were before and, and find a way to keep both sides alive, you know. So of course. For, like, so in the story, there's like a fictional technology that allows this character to take out their working class memories and implant upper class ones, but... I mean, obviously, I think that that's obviously a very negative thing, you know, and I, right. I try and keep this stuff alive, you know. No, for sure. And again, it's so crazy. Like, even the way you start off, like, again, not to ruin it too much, but she's going somewhere and then you do a swerve because I'm sure you were intending one thing to happen and then boom, it's like, what the hell? I'm like, oh, you got me, motherfucker. I thought she was going for something else in there. Like, you know what I mean? So there's yeah. sort of that element too. And again, that goes probably towards being a wrestling fan where you like go down one path and boom, here's something else for you guys to to latch on to like you know what i mean and again fantastic it's the swerve bro the swerve bro it is like you know what i mean and that's oh yeah, i yeah. love that shit <laughs> i like not again i like being like 
have my hand held throughout the story but at the same time i don't want to know and then boom here's like a closed door so to speak that just opens up out of nowhere and it's like oh shit i wasn't even thinking of that now that opens such other possibilities and stuff and then because at first i was like oh great i don't want to because everyone knows what's going on whatever and it's like ah i don't want to go through this I'm, and then it's like oh shit okay now it's good so no oh, nice job cancer story you think it was gonna be like something like that yeah, something with, with yes. like a disease or something. And it's like, oh, no, I don't want to be held. But I'm like, oh, that's right. But, you know, some stuff is dark. But no, again, swerve, hook, line, sinker. And it was it was fantastic. Okay, I got to ask you, though, though. Would you want some of your memories ever wiped out? I, I think this is a great question. Uh, I think that if you asked me 10 years ago, I would have said yes. Oh, I, okay. I, I think I would have. I think I would have thought like, oh, any trauma you should just erase out of your brain and uh, mm. that would be an improvement. And I think now this is also like, so, you know, we'll get a little personal. Like I, over the course of writing this book, I started going to therapy. <laughs> it's oh, like, wow. oh, you could look, I could look back at the older stories and be like, Oh gee, this is really a result of uh, not being. <laughs> therapy. Ah, so, right. so, so I do kind of feel like now it's like, well, you kind of need to make peace with sure. some of this stuff and then move forward. And then you're healthy and you know, you've processed it rather than, what I think I probably would have thought was the solution, which is, what if I push it down so deep? I never thought about it ever. You know, wouldn't that be great? You know, and it's like, turns out not great. <laughs> no, not at all. And yeah, I'm the same way. Like, I would, I don't think I would want anything erased. But at the same time, okay, how about this? If I knew how it would affect me, then I would want it erased. Like, you know what I mean? If if I had something erased and it wouldn't lead to something that I enjoy now, obviously not. That makes no sense. But you don't know that, right? So, I don't know. That That's the weird, That's the funny thing. Yeah, it's tough. There's there's a really good um, movie like this. Oh, I'm blanking on, on the title of the, the movie now. But, uh, it's, uh, oh, God, this is going to drive me nuts. I can't remember. But the idea is, like, you, you, they're trying to – it's three guys. It's a Russian film. They're trying to find a room. And then when they get to the room – whatever the deepest wishes in their body, it's going to happen. But, mm. you know, the fear would be, what if the thing you actually want is not what you think it would be? And exactly. you end up with a totally different life and the things that you thought you valued were not what you valued, you know? And, like, that's an interesting question. Oh, this is going to drive me insane. As the director of this movie called Solaris, and I'm just, I'm Stalker. Stalker's the name of the film. Oh, there really you good go. Film. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay, how, how about reverse? How about if you were able to add good memories and or abilities, say like the Matrix where you get plugged in and then all of a sudden oh. you could like fly a plane or something? What would you want? This is so pathetic because oh, the no. first thing that came to mind is like what? I someone put in my brain a memory of the Knicks winning the title. <laughs> that's all I want. Like that's what I really like. That's what I would like to have felt in my body, you know, it's like that, you know, the 94 finals, maybe the Knicks won and that's the memory you could implant in and I would be a happier, more well-adjusted person. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm so sad. I feel so sorry for you. Even myself being Canadian, I've seen, I've seen my Raptors win a championship and yep. the Knicks have such a lineage and like, you know, well, so do the Raptors if you go back all the way, but obviously they're a newer team. So it's like, oh, I know, I feel for... Well, I, I sort of know that in terms of hockey because even though I'm a Penguins fan all my whole life, the locals obviously cheer for the Leafs, right? So I see what they go through through that. So it's like, okay, so you can't always be, but you got to, you know, not everyone could be like the town of Pittsburgh, so to speak. Like, it seems like everyone wins, well, except for the Pirates, but I don't think they count, do they? Well, I, you know, I lived in Pittsburgh for years and it was hilarious to see, you could show up at a Pirates game maybe midway through the first inning right. and they just let you in for free, you know, because it's <laughs> just like, thank God you're here. It was great, you know, so I, I like to go to Pirates because it's so cheap. I don't know how they're still sustained. Like, these teams who never win and are always at the bottom, like, how do they make money to stay? And what's even the point of having them there? A lot of beer. A lot of beer is being sold. Uh, good point, my friend. That is a fucking very good point. Jesus Christ. All right. Well, dum -dum -dum -dum, let's go with my number one. I think you could guess what it is. It is... The absolutely true biography of Tony Rinaldi, the man who changed pro wrestling forever. Of course it had to be, right? Of course. I, I definitely assumed that this one would be your favorite. And there's an interesting story about this too. So this, okay. we'll, I'll let you talk about it, but just briefly. No, this is, so when I saw you know Mike Herman from Retromania years ago tweet out test footage of Retromania, uh -huh. I tech I. I tweeted him and said, hey, you know, I'm sure you don't need any writing for the game, but if you ever do, you know, 
get in touch with me because I'd love to contribute somehow. And he wrote right. back and he's like, well, do you have a sample? I sent him the story. So this was what I sent him to get involved with Retromania. Ah, nice. Oh, that's pretty cool. And obviously it's a spoof on WWE, Vince McMahon and everything. Like, you know, but you still drop some real, like you drop Ric Flair and stuff. And then you have like the so-called Hogan and everything in there, right? So to me, this is perfect. And obviously right off the bat, as soon as the character said pal, I was like, here we go. I'm in. I'm all in. Yes, I needed this. Especially what's going on now with Vince McMahon. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, yes, thank you. Beautiful. (laughs) Fantastic job. Yeah, I, I, you know, I am infatuated with wrestling, and I think one of the things I let, I love about it, and well, I mean, a bunch of things. I mean, in one way, it's like I was shamed to stop liking it because of like a class thing. You know, it felt like oh, it's too low class, right? And I stopped liking it. I didn't watch it for you know the whole um, ruthless aggression era, basically. Oh, okay. I missed all that stuff, sure. and then you know, then once I became more mature, I'm like, you know what? I want to reclaim a lot of the stuff I liked as a kid, you know, and I don't, sure. I'm going to try and reconcile both holes of my identity. Like part of that is like pro wrestling, which I love. But one of the things that speaks to me about it too, is like, I love the coded language, like all that, like work, shoot, just all that, it's potato. All this stuff just speaks to me as a writer. And I'm like, I really want to write in that viewpoint, how to do it, you know? And then I, I, the way Vince McMahon talks, I'm like, I got to do this. And then I, it really came from, I was just mainlining the Conrad Thompson, um, Bruce Pritchard, something to wrestle with podcast. Right. I still listen to that like every week. Nice. Um, and I'm just like, I, I think I can do it as a fake autobiography. Right. But even here, he's just trying to dominate the ghost writer <laughs> to submission. Right, and it was so. And again, hook, line, and sinker for any type of wrestling biography. Obviously, everyone. Actually, I'm uh, almost done the Young Bucks one, and that one's uh, that's a great one too. So it's like, oh, like I think Mick Foley opened up the door for all. Like he was the original. Then obviously Jericho too. Those two guys. But it's like seems like every good biography book is about a pro wrestler nowadays. Yeah, and I love those too. So the Mick Foley one is amazing. The Jericho one is fantastic. I even like the the crappy ones. Like I like the Ric Flair one where it's like half kayfabe. I mean, it's oh, just like, okay. no way this can be real. You know, where he just makes so many outrageous claims in in the biography. I'm like, I love it. I wish there were more fake claims. I'm like, I wish it was faker. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I like, and honestly, I would love to ghost write a WWE autobiography. Like, I think that would just be fantastic to do. Something. Okay, because I was going to ask you if you had anything in mind or preferred projects that you would ever want to do in terms of writing, a, I guess, a certain type of wrestling book. Would it be an original? Would it be like a spoof? Would it be an autobiography? What would be your total preference if you had free reign? Well, for a while, I really thought I was going to expand this into a novel, that I was going to take the autobiography. Of the oh, book. okay. And I toyed with it, and I took a lot of notes, and I, I had a structure, I had an idea in place, and I, I, you know, I had a lot of... I had a lot of swerves, you know, and it was going to be the ghostwriter writing the book. And one of the mysteries was going to be like, who is the ghostwriter and how are they related to the uh. Vincent McMahon character? Um, but at the end of the day, I don't know. I just felt like uh, I didn't go in that direction. I started working on something different instead. You mm-hmm. know, and I'm not sure I'm ever going to go back to it, you know, and then okay. all the stuff came out about McMahon and the, the, the sexual abuse and all this stuff. And I'm like, Ooh, yeah. I just don't think I really want to touch any of that now, right? you know? So it just yeah. feels like, Ooh, I better, you know, like it, it, it feels like if someone's going to write about that. It's probably not someone like me. <laughs> sure. you, know? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if I'm equipped to have the vocabulary to talk about that mm. with any nuance, you know? And I think you'd have to, if you're going to talk about, of course. but you know, so I'm working on novels and things like that, but I'm always just like in the back of my mind, like, Oh, I'd love to write a WWE biography of someone or, you know, like there's so many great people like Kenny Omega comes to mind as someone would be really interesting. Like it'd be really interesting to do someone contemporary, you know, and closer to our ages. Someone like that would be fascinating. But then like, you know, part of me is like, Oh, wouldn't, wouldn't the undertaker be really interesting or, or someone like that or someone who triple H would probably be the most interesting, you know, a lot of people around now because he's, on so many different sides, but That's there's so many people. I mean, Flair, of course, hands down, you right? know, come on, the yeah, stories that man must have, but then again, do yeah. you know if it's a work or not? See, that's the other thing. Cause then you'd have to cross reference and actually go seek out other people who were there to see if it's actually legit. Like, you know what I mean? So it's going to be a lot of work or lean in and just, <laughs> you know, just <laughs> embellish even more clear that this is 
you know, Shawn Michaels by Shawn Michaels. You know, we are not looking uh, for the Michael Hick- Hickenbottom story. We right. are looking for the Shawn Michaels by Shawn Michaels story, you know. So, I don't know. I mean, there's so many. I like. I, I would love to do almost any wrestler. Like the Blue Meanie. Like, I got Ooh. to write him a little bit in Retromania. That's I right. I loved writing and his voice. I'm like, oh, you know, you can write about ECW. You can write about the Attitude Era. You know, there's a lot of That's angles so true. you can go through. So, yeah, I mean, pretty much. And then, you know, you think about, too, like, a lunch blaze would be great because to see the evolution of women's wrestling, you know, like Medusa, you know, like that type of thing would be really fascinating too. Actually, there is a book, believe it or not. I had, I had the actual, the ghostwriter who did it with Medusa and yeah, they have an autobiography from start to finish from her career in wrestling to even like the, the Bigfoot type stuff that she was into the monster trucks that she was into, like, you know, like everything. So there is one already out there of that. If you are interested, you should look it up. I will be that. I will be reading that. I'm going to (laughs) be, as soon as we're out the call, I'm going to be buying that immediately. Oh my God. That's awesome. Yeah. Cause, uh, Oh, here's one. How about this? I don't know if you've been seeing this thread on the socials, but all of like, I, I think it's one of Hogan's autobiographies where everything is literally a work. And he was like saying like such nonsense, like uh, the two that sent out the most was something like he was asked to be in the UFC back in like 80 something. And people are like, UFC started in 93 and Hulkamania, like you were already on your downfall. Like, you know, and then there was another one where he said that someone got the idea of being um, a Hulkamaniac back in like before he was even in WWE. And it's like, what the fuck? And then here's the best one that he wrestled 300 and 70 days in one year because he wrestled in Japan multiple times, so it added days. That's just science. I mean, that's that's just science, you know? Like, like what the... Hogan, it, what's interesting to me about Hogan, you know, beyond all the horrible stuff, you know, that, that he did, it, and it's really crazy that he's just back, but I... does he believe these things he I says? I think so. You know, he has to. I, me too. Yeah, that he's worked himself into a shit. Yes. You know, he is Hulk Hogan. and if he's not then he never turns it off like you know what i mean like i'm even sure when he looks at himself in a mirror shaving he's like yeah brother like he's not talking in like a terry bolea voice like you know what i mean i just think tell you something brother right like i don't i just think it's it's just so like the brain is weird when you it's a muscle right so when you program it to do the same thing over and over and over yeah you that's how you lose a sense of reality i guess that's why they say you got to check yourself like you know what i mean and that, that's what's so interesting uh, about wrestling to me is that aspect right. of it is becoming the character because I also feel like, you know, so in, I'm working on a new book right now and there, a pro wrestler shows up and, you know, he, one of the things he says is the story about like how people work themselves into a shoot. Like that's a phrase in the pro wrestling business, but he's making yeah. the case that everybody works themselves into a shoot. And I think that's true. That's kind of my like working thesis is that we all kind of do this to an extent, right? It's like, sure. like we're all buying into the identity that we're presenting out there, you know? So like pro wrestling seems like such a ridiculous thing, but I really think it's probably the closest thing to reality we have. Do you know what I mean? No, that's a good point because I I don't give a fuck what anyone says unless like, I, I don't know who you are, but I'm sure it's a very small percentage that you're the exact same person behind closed doors that you are in front of people. Because everyone has secrets, everyone does stuff that they're ashamed of in their head, even if it's right or wrong, and you have stuff that you don't want to share with people on the outside. So how can you be that same person? So yeah, so as soon as you walk out that door, that character gets turned on and you're like, like for example, I'm not to say that anyone who's bubbly is, that's not authentic, there must be people who are bubbly outside, like as soon as they walk out through the door, the smile comes on instantly, hey, I'm this, walking around, like, whatever. But then when they're behind closed doors, it's like frowning, it's like whatever, whatever, because, or whatever it is, like, you know what I mean? So I totally see that, and it's so true. Like, it's not to that certain extent, because obviously wrestling, you know, it is a show, so it's got to be over the top. But just, like, small little nuances, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, 100%, because, like, all the best characters, you know, the common phrase is like, oh, it's me turned to 11, and I think about that all the time in my own life. I'm like, well, like, even now, right? Like, are we, you know, and and I I think it's often, like, sincere, like, you're not doing it no exactly yeah like the conversation we're having right now if we spend an hour together in a bar it would be different you know and you know it would just be a little different just like you know if if i had a conversation with my wife right after it'd be a little different you know exactly no i i totally see it and again fantastic book top to bottom my friend so so many other stuff like you touch on religion you touch again another story about being in italy again having that oh my god see okay i don't want to ruin it too much but Last train to Siena, like, again, 
my my wife's fear now it's it doesn't matter because if I was to have a kid they would already be eighteen because I've been with my wife for over twenty years so too bad I'm not supporting you but her biggest fear was always what if someone came knocking that you know they were your child like you know what I mean because as a man you don't know like as much as there's protection it's ninety nine percent people hide stuff you just don't know like you know what I mean what if like that was her big like I was confident no but her she was like oh you just never know and it's like but it's true you never what if that happens to someone that's Oh, that's such a scary. Well, shouldn't be scary, but it is. Yeah, and it's interesting because that's the last story I wrote, and you can almost see like my progression into adulthood in this book, where <laughs> the early stories are concerned about like what does it mean to be a son, and what does it mean to be part of a family that you inherited, and by the the later stories, the chronologically later ones, it's all about what what does it mean to like create a family and be part of that, and then what what are the fears involved with that? Cause like, I don't have kids and, and we really don't have intentions of having kids. Yep, so yeah. I think about it a lot. You know, I think about yeah. it a lot. I'm like, what, what have I given up? What have I gained? You know, all those type of things. Well, again, it's the same thing. Whatever you lose, you gain somewhere else. And it depends on yes. what side of the spectrum you want. That's where you land. Like if you prefer to have freedom and to, you know, not worry for other people, like that's a big thing. Like, you know what I mean? That's so, yeah. some people want or don't want in their lives. And, and then even financially, if that outweighs what you want in the child or having a mini me or a lineage or whatever it is, then yeah, you're on the other side. Cause for me, I like, once I'm gone, I'm gone. Like as much as selfish as it sounds, I don't care what happens once I'm gone. Like, you know what I mean? I know I've done my yeah. part to do whatever I can to be a, the best person or best version of myself I can be. So what else can I ask for? Like, who cares? Whatever. L- let the chips lie where they fall, as they say. Yeah, you're not going to see it. So who cares? Right. Know? And even if I am, I'll probably be laughing. So good. It'll be some yeah. entertainment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we're in total agreement. <laughs> I'm funny for my Ewoks and Hasbro wrestlers. You know, I, I've got priorities here. <laughs> exactly. Just like me. I, I like to play video games without having a child tug on me and saying, well, when it's my turn. <laughs> <laughs> to each his own, as they say, as long as we could all yeah. get along. That's all. <laughs> How about this? Was there a short story that you started to write and then it ended up being like, oh, no, I'm going to shelf this because this is getting good and it's a bit too long. Maybe I'm going to save it for something in the future. Oh, that's a, that's a great question. Um, the Tony Rinaldi story was probably the one where I'm like, oh, is oh, this, okay, yeah. this going to be a novel? Yeah. Is this going to be a novel? You know, and then uh, I still think deep down it can be, you know, but I'm, I'm just like, I, I'm not sure if I'm going to do it, you know? So I, I think that's the one now. Uh, other times when I like I'm when I'm working on other books, I always have a backup plan of like maybe this can become a short story if it implodes. Uh, if I get fifty pages in, sure, and it just feels like oh no. Well, oh, you know what? I should be you know now that I'm thinking about it. The neo realist story right at the start mm-hmm. is the the basis for the book I'm working on now. Oh, so okay. That is the one that I tried to expand. So it's a similar setup. It swaps a director for an actor. So an Italian-American actor is summoned to Italy to basically be in one of the last spaghetti westerns. You know, and that's Mm. kind of what I've been working on for a little while. Oh, that's cool to hear. And how about this? Do you prefer to write long form or short? That's a great question. I mean, there's benefits to both, you know. So like long form is like a marriage where it's like you have to know – that you're not going to be tired of this in three or four or five years because it's going to take that long, or at least it takes me that long. I can be really slow, and the process is long, and sometimes it can seem really flashy to jump into a new project, and then I'm there, and it's a year in, and I'm I'm not interested in the material anymore. What's great about short stories, it's like, that's like two weeks, you know, once I've done all the thinking about it, the actual writing and editing is two weeks, maybe a month. Sometimes they'll take much longer, but generally like two weeks to a month. And I think like that's good to just keep me fresh, keep me writing. Of I mean, the, the, the best part about long form is I get to do it every day. And when I don't write, I get anxious. You know, oh, my anxiety level rises. Sure. So it's good just to have that thing, you know. But if you always have to constantly generate new short stories, that could be hard. No, for sure. Okay. Do you want to do more in video games? Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah. So I actually, I did, I did some work on it for, um, in the localization side. Okay. recently and that was really interesting so i did uh i joined a localization team for um uh trails to azure which is a jrpg it's out on switch oh, wow. and playstation and xbox well not xbox but it's steam okay and i love the trails games so there's like trails to the cold steel and uh 
Trails to um, Reverie, Trails into Reverie just came out, mm-hmm. and I really liked doing it. It was interesting, you know, because you'd get the Japanese text, and then a translator would do it, and then you would kind of, right. you know, fix it up and make it really presentable. I really found that interesting, too. So I definitely want to do more in video games. I'm just not totally sure exactly what. Oh, okay. Well, speaking of video games, you said that you're playing Baldur's right now, and again, that's on everyone. That and what's um, the Xbox exclusive? Star? Oh, Star. Right, that's that's all I see on my timeline every day is those pretty much those two games. But this year has been a killer. Like I haven't played majority. Like I could probably say maybe twenty percent of this year's games that dropped because it just seems like every couple of weeks there's a game of the year that drops. Like I, I don't know if this is just a rebound of being closed during COVID and stuff all those years, and now everything's starting to pump out again. But now it makes me think that oh, are we gonna have another dry spell for the next two or three years? Like, you know what I mean? Of like, not, but again, I don't mind because then I could catch up. <laughs> oh, I know. Like, they're, like, I'm never in need of something to play, you know? Right? Like, I played, like, and it, it does, I, I agree with you completely. Like, Armored 6 came out. I played through it all. I feel like that in any other year, that conversation would have happened, would have been much longer, but it's like, boom, we got to move on to the next thing, you know? It's just, we're at. Armored, Armored Core 6 is over. The conversation happened. You know, <laughs> on to the next thing. It's just, yeah, it's just, I mean, it's amazing to be, and like, even the new Cyberpunk expansion is coming out i'm like i gotta finish Baldur's gate so i can get to that you know it's just it's just one thing after and the spider-man game is coming out i know that hasn't dropped mortal kombat just dropped as of this recording too and it's like oh my god it seems like like i said every week there's something like fuck man all these testers all the or reviewers and everyone who reports on this god bless you because you're not really doing anything other than playing video games but then it's like i feel sorry for the now the games that are coming out because wouldn't there be a sort of a burnout if you think about it too? Like, you know what I mean? So oh, yeah. the later half is going to be like, oh, but then you're still fresh in people's minds too. So what's the trade-off? Like, that's why this year is going to be very interesting when people start reviewing the year-end awards to see who comes up on top. Yeah, I can't wait to see the Game Awards this year. because I mean, one, it's it's a ridiculous show every year. It's like the lamest thing I've ever seen in my life, but I love it. Because uh, it's right. three hours of trailers. and right. The nerdiest people on earth are gathered with beautiful people, so it's very strange. Uh, but yeah, I'm curious to even see what gets nominated because there's been so many good games this year, and even just RPG of the year with Starfield and, and Baldur's Gate three. Like that's going to be tough. And Sea of Stars came out, and well, and how many Diablo and how many out. JRPGs came out this year too? It seems like oh it was the God. year of the return of the JRPG or whatever the turn-based RPG as we call it, the Final Fantasies, the original ones, like all this stuff that came out. Octopath Traveler two came out. The new one, Sea of Stars. That's apparently that's awesome. Which again is in my queue, and it's like so much stuff Did to you? play. <laughs> Did you play Final Fantasy sixteen? Sixteen? No, you know I stopped at seven. I never gone back. I played the se- the seven remake, obviously, and oh, I was yeah. tempted to go and. Check out eight and nine because they were on sale, and it has the the what is it the quality of life updates and stuff like that. So it's like it's a bit easier, so I could probably get through it. But I'm like, I don't want to commit to this. I'm content with the Pixel ones, and again, I tried with Part Seven because it was you know, fuck. That was one of the greatest of all time. Obviously, three discs on a PlayStation like fuck. I just uh-huh. lose my mind, right? So I had to play it. But after that, it was like, nah. I fell off of Final Fantasy, and I'm like, nah. I'll I could always go back to six and always keep playing that one over and over, and I'll be content to tell you the truth. <laughs> Six is a perfect game. I mean, that's probably my is. favorite game ever. You know, I mean, it's just flawless from start to finish. You know, and I do not like 16 because it's so far away from what those games were. You know, it's basically an action game, which is fine. But I don't, I, if I want to play an action game, I'll play an action game. You know, come to Final Fantasy, you better be lined up on the right. You know, I better right? see numbers popping up. Like, that's what I want. You know, just Thank it's you. like McDonald's. Like, you go to McDonald's to get McDonald's. Like, don't. I'm not going to McDonald's to, you know, get an Amu's bouge when I walk in, you know? So it's like, that's, don't like Final Fantasy 16. I know I'm the same way. And you could also compare it to like sort of the Resident Evil series once it turned all action and went away from the horror base. Like, you know what I mean? And now it came back to horror. Now look, everyone loves it again. It's like, why are you going to change it if it's not broken? I understand people say, oh, it's getting stale. The formula stale. Well then still have the base, but introduce other stuff. Like you can still have action sequences, but you can still have the pop-up scares. It doesn't have to be all... Like, Part 6 was literally just a run-and-gun fucking shoot em game, right? See, I, I think Zelda does it well, where they're like, okay, we're going to iterate, but then point. Here, here's a 2D Zelda for all you old people. And I'm like, great. Like, give me the Link's Awakening HD. Perfect. Good point. I get a little something, too. You know, that that's great. That's a good way to do it. No, I'm the same way. Well, actually, Resident Evil did do that. They came out with that... What is it? Revelations or... So, oh yeah, yeah. I right? forgot about that. Where it's the tank controls, right? I think so. Like one, I think one was in the 
No, not that one. You're thinking of the one that came out for the Wii. That one w- wasn't too ah. bad. No, there was another one where they were in like a submarine or on a boat. And it was... Was that Code Veronica or was that no. this after? This is way after. I think this came out originally on the Vita, if I'm not mistaken. And, okay. and then they ported it to the consoles because it did so well. But it harkened back again to the old school, like, oh, you got to find this and then you got to put it here and then you take this and go over there and then you get the gun and keep moving so forth and so on, right? Again, the original formula that everyone came to love. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I don't understand why they go off, again, no pun intended, the rails, so to speak. And it's like, why? Like, no one complained, really. Like, like are, are the critics the one buying your games? No, you're giving them a free copy. If the majority of the people say they love it, like, again, I don't know. And the critics usually don't even like <laughs> when they like Castlevania when it went to 3D. It's like, oh god, it's so bad. They should have just stuck with Symphony of the Night and that, that type of stuff. Well, well, uh, here's another one that did a good uh, Metroid when they went from the side scrolling. Mm. Like they did a good job. Like so, it's That's sort of hit and miss, I guess. Yeah, yeah, because those those games, the Prime games, are great. I remember being so skeptical. I'm like a Texas studio is making a first person shooter out of Metroid. This will never work. You know. And again, but, it was great. but those are the games that have the longevity that could go through the test of time. Like, like Mario's a good way example too when it went 3D. Mm. Like whoever thought Mario would have gone 3D and then became what it was, like you know, and now they have both 3D and side scrolling, and it's like it's f- fantastic shit, right? I love that there's just games for everyone now. You know, there's games so for true. every age, just every type of whatever experience you want. You know, it doesn't feel like when it was the PS2 or three, everything's 3D. It's just like there's experiences for everybody, which is really awesome. And you see everyone playing a game, like even if it's on their phone, like you know what I mean? Like even if it's a simple cross, like I don't consider that a video game, but it's still like something for the brain, like you know what I mean? And and, yeah, it's so true. And it's so accessible. And a lot of the games now, even the most popular ones, they're all free. That's crazy. Right? Would you ever thought that blowing into your NES cartridge that this friggin' 100 plus dollar fucking cartridge back in the day, you could get a a game similar to it for free? (laughs) I know where it's like you get one, you get like two or three games a year at most, and then you get to rent some games for 48 hours. <laughs> the idea of like, oh, I could try a bunch of games. And then, you know, then yes, games, it's like, okay, sometimes they're so obtuse and cryptic. I, like, you can't get out of the first screen in 48 hours, you know? So oh it would have blown my mind. To, <laughs> if I saw a PlayStation when I was a child, I would have just died. <laughs> I know, right? The evolution's <laughs> so good. My God. But yeah, no, it is fantastic. That's accessible to everyone. And the other thing, too, that we both love, again, that's on the rise, and I think it's in another golden age, we touched on it a bit, is obviously wrestling. And it's so crazy to think, again, if, oh my, I wish I was 13 years old right now when wrestling is the way it is. Because back then, especially up here in Canada, being in Toronto, all we got was WWF. And then once Turner bought WCW, we started getting that. We didn't even have AWA, believe it or not. Like, you know what I mean? Oh, wow. It was hard to get that. Like, not even Stampede we got back in the day. Like, it was hard to find that. Because even though we're in the same country, it's a totally different province. Like, it's still a thousand plus kilometers away. Like, you know what I mean? So we were literally WWF based, grew up on Hulk Hogan. That was our shit. Like, you know what I mean? And yeah, to think now when we got the jobbers and all that back in the day, once a, a one show, an hour, a week, w- one pay-per-view every four months to what it is now to, oh my God, like you can't even think about that shit. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely outrageous to think like, okay, I can watch New Japan <laughs> so easily now. It's right? something that would have blown my mind as a kid of just, well, one, like, oh, there's Japanese wrestling would have... It wouldn't have been something I even knew existed because, like you, I mean, in the Northeast, you basically just got WWF. And then every once in a while, like, on the Superstation, you would see WCW, right. you know, and, and um, NWA before that. You know, so just the idea of, like, oh, you can really see everything now, which is great. I watch a ton of AEW. I was just literally watching um, Grand Slam. I'm trying to <laughs> catch up. I was watching. You know what? Yeah. Me too. I, I actually, believe it or not, I know this is going to probably come out in a week or two, so it's going to be dated, but for our, our sake, yeah, I'm just, I just started the... Um, the Phoenix and Moxley match. That's where I left yeah. off. That's, I was midway through Jericho and, and Sammy Guevara. Okay. And I had to, I had to leave and, and do something else. But yeah, and then they're all, I mean, it, I know this will come out a week later, but then I don't know if you saw all the firings came out today. That WWE. Yeah. Just, like, and it's actually, out. again, as of this recording, it probably just happened uh, as of 5 PM, they were going to say that there's going to be an NXT layoffs too. Wow. I mean, it's unbelievable that they, they just announced like a 1 billion, right. $1.9 billion deal. And then started, fire people on the 40 percent increase from their last deal how crazy is that 
Yeah. I mean, Mustafa Ali, though, I hope he comes to AEW. I, know, I think that'd be great. Great fit. Yeah, but you know what? I think I'm at the point now where AEW is starting to become like WCW, and it's like you have oh, so yeah. many guys there now. I know you still have three shows I don't really consider Rampage, even though the Grand Slam uh-huh. one is, yeah, okay, that one's probably decent. But it, you really have two shows, two hours each, <clears throat> and you don't have as many pay-per-views. And it's like, where are all these guys getting, like, the views? Like, you got rid of Dark, you got rid of Elevation. Like, where are these guys wrestling now? Like, you know what I mean? It's way too much. It definitely feels like WCW, where right? it is. It's, it's five hours a week is too much for any wrestling. Like, two hours is great. That's, like, the perfect <clears throat> amount for one type of thing. I think so. So it's too, too much. And then whenever they sign someone, th- there's never a story. They just show up and save someone, and then they're, then they're there. You know, like, that's always what it is. And it's just like, okay, there's, you know, I love AEW, but it is some of the storytelling is repetitive outside of the kind of major figures like Jericho and Moxley and, and Omega, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And no. the women's division has been the biggest, just like, come on, get it together. You know, like it's been years, just give these women more than one match a show. My God, come on. They've got the talent pool by this point. Like there's, they have so many women over like Tony storm and Britt Baker, you know, and Statlander and Sheeta, just all these like, get, get, love, put them on my TV every week, you know? I know, and I know they have ROH too, and they also have TV, but it's oh. not, it's, it's internet, it's not on live, except for their pay-per-views if you want to catch those, so, but their pay-per-views are always great, but at the same time, it's like, I don't like, like, I don't want them to have like how it's Raw and SmackDown, but ROH is ROH, like, you know what I mean? Like, have it separate, and when they do collide, it should mean something, and if someone is a champ on ROH, they should not be showing up on AEW TV and vice versa. Yeah, it's just, it's too many belts, you know, so it's just like, I, I, I can't keep track of the hierarchy or anything, you know, so it's just, you know, and it's wrestling, it sh- this should not be this hard, like, I shouldn't be thinking, like, is the, is the, what, the Atlantic title more important than the TNT title, like, this is know. not a question I should have, but I do have, I think it is the, I think the Inter-Atlantic one is clearly now bigger than the TNT, but it's like, right. what, who cares, <laughs> I know, I don't get it, but, but yeah, but wrestling is still good, and but that's a good thing, yes. like, you don't like AEW, go watch WWE, you don't like WWE, there's Impact, and then there's, like you said, New Japan, there's Mexican wrestling we get now all the time, like, you know what I mean, so it's like, there's a ton of shit out there that, if you complain about something, you'll find something you like, and if you don't like anything, then you're not a wrestling fan, like, bow out, see ya. And, and wrestling fans love to complain. Of course, <laughs> I think it's it. in the that's, DNA. I love AEW, like, that's my, that's my home promotion in a way. Okay, like, sure. Like, you know, I love AEW, but it's like gotta complain about it <laughs> gotta no. go to reddit and make my post <laughs> no most definitely most definitely well sal thank you so much for coming aboard today it's been a pleasure as always catching up okay so promote whatever you want when the book's coming out socials floor's all yours my friend well first off thank you for having me i had such a great time i hope to uh be on a fourth time you know because we of always course. have such a great conversation the hour flies by i'm like oh my god we're out of time i know <laughs> i feel like we have more we use so much more we can chat about but yeah, so you can buy the book all over the place. So it's published by Autumn House Press, so you can buy it directly from there. It's on Amazon. Uh, there's going to be the, – the release date is October 23rd. It's called uh, The Neorealist in Winter. I'm, I had to look at it. <laughs> what's, what's the title of my book? It's Neorealist in Winter, so you can get it on Amazon. It's on um, Autumn House's website. The Kindle comes out in December, so it's a little bit of a wait for the digital version. My website is uh, salvatore-pain.com, and I'm doing some readings. So I'm doing um, a bunch in St. Paul, some in Milwaukee. I'll be in Pittsburgh. I'm doing Boston and Kansas City. So if you live in any of those places, check out my website and come see me. Uh, the readings are generally like conversations more like this. You know, I, I think this is way more fun than I just read you a story. I think conversation is always better. So, yeah, just thanks for having me. And this was a fantastic experience as always. Oh, thank you for being here, my friend. And for myself, you can find me on Instagram and X under Finger Styles. You can follow me on X, the podcast app. Email us your thoughts, suggestions, comments, anything you want to get off your chest at the podcast app at gmail.com. Rewind to the top of the show. Support those fine sponsors because if it helps them, it almost definitely helps me out. But the most important thing is, please, each and every week, rate, subscribe, review on all major platforms. Okay, one last question before I let you go, my friend. If you could wave a magic wand and create a new story or a, an existing one, continuation of an IP, which one would you pick? Anything. Could be whatever you want. Could be like comic books, could be video games, wrestling, whatever you want to write for. What would you want to do? So I, I get to write it. So I wave the magic wand and I get to come in and write it. And the, the question is, am I making an IP or joining an IP? You're joining an IP, but are you creating a new story or continuing someone's story arc in your, ver- in your like... 
Oh, that's a great question. Uh, I, I think I'd want to do something in Star Wars. I, th- I think I really like everything they're doing right now. I know some people are like, it's too much. I was just talking with friends last night. And they're like, Star Wars is homework now, but I like the homework. I'm loving Ahsoka. Ahsoka, oh, like, it's the best. I think it's my second favorite behind Mandalorian now. Uh, six weeks ago, I knew nothing about Mandal- or about Ahsoka other than when she showed up in Mandalorian, which I, I love. Oh, so you and didn't now, know her from the Clone Wars then? No. And now oh. like, I would die for Ahsoka time because I watched a mil- like a bunch of Clone Wars episodes. I watched a bunch of Rebels. I'm like, just now I think Ahsoka's like the most complicated and interesting character in all of Star Wars. So like, right. I would love to take a crack at Ahsoka. Okay. And, you know, I mean, obviously one. they're building to Heir to the Empire, which I read. I read those books. I've loved those books as a oh. kid. So like, I love to be part of that. I'd love to be, you know, with Filoni on the writing staff. That that seems like that would be great. So something with Ahsoka would be really fun. Although I think, you know, probably taking someone, a character that doesn't have as much would also be like IG-88, the, the droid bounty hunter would be awesome. True. Or Bosk. Just all those bounty hunters from Empire Strikes Back would right. be really cool too. Yeah, it's true. Like those characters need a story as well, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they need they need some love. Give them something to do, you know? No, for sure. Well, on that note, he's Sal, I'm Steve. This is the podcast. Peace.